Bank Talk features thought leadership interviews with bank and credit union executives. Learn something new in each episode to help with the performance at your financial institution. Go to banktalkpodcast.com for the latest information. Hi, and welcome to Bank Talk. This is Charlie Kelly, your host. We started this podcast because we consult in the bank and credit union industry. And while doing that, we keep coming across interesting stories that we'd like to share. The concept being, of course, that a CEO of a bank or a credit union is basically a small business owner. And a lot of times, while doing their day job, they just don't have the opportunity to listen to ideas that are coming from all directions. So our goal with Bank Talk is to try to share some of those ideas, get some other CEOs, and just share some successes from throughout the industry. Welcome back to Bank Talk. On today's episode, we have Jay Tooley from Leader Bank. And uh, Jay's just got some great ideas. Uh, the leader folks have done just a phenomenal job of building up their lending portfolio, you know, improving their at, their ratios and those types of things. And uh, today we just asked Jay some questions related to how they did that. So thank you for joining us and let's get started. So Jay, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Charlie. Great to be here. So if you could, we usually leave these in with by asking a few questions just about where you're from, how you grew up, uh, what you know, what your bank's about. Would, would you mind just giving us a couple of minutes on Leader to start? Yeah, sure. Um, Leader Bank was founded in 2002. So we are, relatively speaking, a new kid on the block. And there's a family business component of this. So my father started the bank in 2002, right as I was kind of wrapping up college. I then worked at a JP Morgan for a little while in asset management in New York. I moved back to Boston and I worked for a small uh, investment bank here that uh, really focused on, uh, you know, financial services, technology, uh, software, M&A. And, you know, it was, it was an awesome experience. Um, at the same time, the bank that my father founded was grow, starting to grow a little bit. And I was tired from the long hours. So um, I decided to join over at Leader Bank. So this was the end of 2005, 15 years ago. And I've not looked back since. It's just been a really great journey, a lot of fun, very different than what I imagined uh, working for a community bank would be. Great. So where, where are you guys located? You know, what, what's, what's the size these days? Give me a little bit about sure. the bank and the client mix. And, you know, yeah, so... Relevant. We're headquartered in Arlington, Massachusetts, which is just about 20 minutes outside of Boston. We are approaching $2 billion in assets. We're about close to 300 employees. And, and we really just have like three business lines. It's really simple. Deposits, right? So personal and uh, business deposit gathering. Um, the second is residential lending mortgages. So that's a really big business of ours. And the third is commercial lending. Um, so that, that's really all we do. We don't we don't do you know wealth management, insurance, any of the other stuff. Okay. And uh, can you lead me anywhere into you know? I know that there's probably a growth strategy in each of those areas, right? 
But um, how, how many branches does Leader have? Yeah, so we have, um, we only have seven branches, um, basically, you know, in and around Boston area, sure. um, which for our size is, you know, a, a limited network compared to our peers. And I actually think that's a competitive advantage for us. Um, we don't really see the need to open up many more branches, if any. We're really relying on technology, customer service, um, move the bank to the customer. And uh, it's, it's really proven to be an efficient model, and it hasn't really stopped our deposit growth. Okay. And are the branches generally in large commercial area, uh, large uh, populated, highly populated areas, or are they uh, more rural? How would you, or is there some, some mix of them? I would say in general, yeah, two are in the city and the other five are outside the city in like close suburbs of Boston. Okay. Uh, Okay. So one thing that, you know, you and I've had some conversations in the past. And one thing I find interesting is, you know, sort of how your assets, your your loans sort of lead your deposits, meaning you've got, uh, you know, kind of more on the deposit or more on the loan side than you do on the deposit side. And not every bank, right, yeah. is, is fortunate to be there. So I just thought we'd maybe talk through that a little bit. Yeah, spend a couple minutes around, around you know, how you guys think about that and, and you know, how that occurred and, you know, what you do to sure. keep that occurring. Yeah, no. So, it, you know, in about 2009, we really changed the trajectory of the bank changed forever. And what basically happened is we residential uh, lending production. At that time, if you remember, it was a financial crisis. Mortgages were a dirty word. So a lot of banks and mortgage companies went under or shut down those operations. That was a skill set we had. So we began growing. So we went from, you know, just a couple of mortgage salespeople to almost 40, you know, in the course of a few months. And our volumes took off. And, and so now today, you know, we get almost three billion in the year, almost five billion this year. And so it's a really, a really big piece of our business. What that means is that getting loans has never been a problem for us. It's really the deposits. We have more loans um, than we know what to do with, both on the residential and commercial side. We we're in a great area. We have an awesome sales team, which I think is a key differentiator. So we we have a lot of loan assets. On the deposit side, it's always been a struggle to keep up with the pace of loan growth, right? So even if we have a good deposit year and grow deposits 10%, it's hard to keep up when the loans are growing 30% a year. So our loan-to-deposit ratio has always been high. And as a result, we've, we've had to really think outside the box as to how do we get our what, – what do we do differently to attract the deposits? We did not want to play the open lots of branches game because we saw it in 2015. Even myself, I would just not need to go to the branches anymore and a lot of our business customers never were going to the branches because they were using ACH or check scanners. So um, we, we said, you know what, we're not going to build any more branches, but what can we do to differentiate? And we began looking at uh, pockets of our customers to say, all right, let's let's look at this customer customer population and we need to expand it. So one thing that we saw given our, our geography and, and our expertise was we were giving a lot of loans to small landlords and property managers. Um, we're in the Boston area, near Cambridge, lots of schools, lots of student housing. and But we weren't getting those deposits. They would take the loans from us, but they would keep the you know, Bank of America or something. And I, I'm a small landlord myself. So at that time, we realized that there is this gap for a small landlord. They're too small to give them a rent, uh, a check scan. 
they have too many rent checks to deposit everything over mobile deposit. For them to PayPal and Venmo and bill pays from their clients, it's very cumbersome to lots of tenants. So we, we decided to build a whole platform called ZRent, which automates rent collection. And, and then from there, we actually built another platform called ZDeposit, which automates uh, the of security deposit accounts. And what we said is we're going to give this for free to these landlords and property managers bank with us. And that proved to be very successful. And we brought in a lot of deposits that way. We brought on thousands of clients and it, it continued to help our journey in deposit growth. You know, we've done other things where we've built our own products as well. Um, on the deposit side, we have a rewards checking program. We built, built in-house called Super Rewards. And so um, I would say a lot of these, we, we had to get creative out of necessity to sort of keep the deposit engine running. Oh, that's great. That's great. So um, I guess I guess one of the questions that comes to mind is, if I understand the strategy correctly, what you're saying is that by by making sure the landlords kept their money in your banks rather than just came to you for the loan, you realize you sort of had their working capital account as well. Am I, am I getting that right? In other words, in other exactly. words you know, exactly. whatever account they're writing their their expenses out of would, would stay with the bank and that, that grew both sides of it. Then it grew, exactly. probably helped you grow the way you're thinking about loans themselves because maybe you maybe you grab some other uh, loan volume that came along with it as soon as the small landlords realized that, that you know, they got a tool. So for we free. found that it, it made them uh, much more sticky clients. And in addition to just getting the loans, we were starting to get the accounts, the security deposit accounts, and they would come back to us for their other needs. So it was a more holistic relationship, but it also really helped in positive growth. Okay, great. No, that's, that's an interesting philosophy and a good, a good strategy. Because I think, you know, stickiness... In this organization, uh, in this you know environment, I would probably say is what everybody is striving for, right? Whether you're a you know a rural bank, you're a you know you're maybe a slightly larger than what you consider maybe a community bank. Everybody is always out there striving to figure out what the customer wants, and a lot of times you can ask them, and the customer may or may not know. I think what's you know what's interesting about where you guys are going with it is is you seem to spend a lot of time thinking about your specific customer and your specific strengths and kind of leaning into them. And, you know, you, you did some things that yeah, most banks probably don't have the ability to do, which is, you know, develop their own software to treat the need, but it's a unique enough mix that, uh, it, you know, sounds like it's a it's been a big winner for you. Yeah. So uh, the, the only, I've got a couple more questions for you. Um, now this one's sort of a, you know, sort of a sales related question, right? Uh, is there a superstar loan officer? I know you said you had some good people on the loan side, you know, whether this be commercial or on the residential side, right? Is there a, a superstar or a few of them uh, at leader? And, and if so, right, can you share any secrets to what keeps them busy? What, you know, what keeps the pipeline full? So I'll say this, you know, with our, um, on the residential side, with our about 3 billion, we do that with 55 loan officers our competitors who do the same amount of volume, we have three or 400 loan officers. So we have the cream of the crop when it comes to just an all-star sales team. We probably have a, over 10 loan officers that do over a hundred million annually each. And then of those, there's two or three that do 200 million a year each. So there's, there's some, yeah, really, really good producers. You know, I mean, it's a difficult question, you know. It's like asking, you know, what differentiated Magic Johnson from your normal basketball player, and and there's a lot to it. I mean, but uh, these are just highly, really want to succeed. 
They're working nonstop. They want to get better every single day. And then behind them, you have an organization, brand, and platform that's trying to achieve the same thing, trying to get better every single day, trying to make sure the brand is top-notch, trying to make sure our customer service is um, outstanding. And when you put the two together, you know, you can really see meaningful results. We've hired loan officers where, you know, when they joined us, they were doing 30 or 40 million annually, and now they're doing 100 million annually. I can't take all the credit for that, that it's really both sides coming together, delivering value to the customer. Is anything you've done to streamline the process to make it easier for a top performer to be, right, or an outstanding performer? Uh, meaning, meaning, you know, sometimes it's paperwork that gets in the way of making a sale and, or paperwork or process, right? And, and and some of that is created by an organization. You know, I've got some friends that are in the origination business and they, you know, they work for fairly sizable operations, you know, some of the big, some of the real big ones. And, you know, I think their argument would be many times smaller might be better or, or yeah, maybe not smaller, but, but certainly, you know, an optimized sales situation might be way better than the hoops they jump through just to get one to, get one to close. Yeah. Anything you guys have done there to make it easier for these guys to do business? We'll be right back. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, no, we, we think about that every day, you know, and there's there's probably a hundred things we've done. There's not any one, but from a high level, what if you have a person whose job it is to just bring in business, but then you're asking them, hey, uh, send out the disclosures, hey, uh, send this compliance thing, hey, uh, come into this weekly meeting every two for two hours. What you're doing is you're saying, um, kind of do the sales, but then also do all this other stuff. And so what we're looking at is how can our sales team do nothing but sell, right? That should be the only thing they do. And then the process should, you know, even from scheduling appointments, you know, we have automatic um, uh, calendar schedulers that customers can book appointments. Um, we have a whole process that kicks in as soon as the loan submitted, following up on documentation and things like that, a whole nother team will do that automated disclosures, automated appraisal ordering, all of that stuff. Um, that's, you know, you need a platform like that to really attract a good producer. Yeah, that, and that's helpful, right? Because I, I don't know that it matters whether those really strong producers are on the residential or the commercial side. You know, everybody I've talked to in the, in the right, that, that, you know, basically sells for a living has the same general concerns, right? If, if my organization could take away some of the burden I could spend a lot more time making a lot more money, right? And, you know, uh, close more loans, you know, meet more customers, meet more, right? Do do more volume, et cetera. So that's, those are good perspectives. Okay. Uh, tell me about something uh, you're working on now to improve financial performance, right? You have a top two or three 
Now, I'm assuming you guys have a set of strategy meetings, et cetera, but what are the top couple of things that you want to do to, you know, make change this from the size it is to something that you want it to be? Okay. Um, there's two or three things that come to mind. I mean, the first is growth. So look at how, how are we going to double in the next five years? And that's one. And then, and then the second is more, how can we do more with what we have? And so the first is growth and the second is efficiency. So growth side, it literally is about finding the best people that exist in the trade, wherever they are. I mean, okay. that, is really, that is really the only thing. You know, you get outstanding people and it just takes care of itself. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I, I spend so much of my time, how can I recruit that best loan officer? How can I recruit that best underwriter? How can I recruit that best business banker? and make leader bank so appealing that they want to leave where they are and join us. Because once you get, once you get special talent, the business will just flourish, but there's a lot of thought that has to go into that. You know, great people don't just leave for no more money. It just doesn't happen. They, yeah. they leave for a variety of things. Um, the brand, the platform, the people, the innovation, the growth, all those things. So, you know, the, the traits of the leader they're going to work for. So you have to work on a lot of things before you can get someone like that lower. So I, I spend a lot of my time thinking about that. that. That's on the efficiency side. How can we do more um, with what we have? Like, so for example, obviously rates are really low right now. And every mortgage lender is probably doing double or triple what they were doing. Yeah, we don't want to hire. We can't, we can't double or triple the staff. So what we're trying to do is we're looking across the organization in in uh, finding two or three big ROI projects that we can automate. And uh, so, for example, loan servicing. You know, you, the loan goes through the process, it closes, and now you need to onboard that loan onto your servicing system, right? And there's a lot of manual work that goes there. Um, but does there need to be? So I have two people right now that are just solely focused on figuring out how to automate that. And um, we're getting pretty close, and that's been a huge time savings. We're and, in, and yep. Just to make sure I understand, you're saying that the the piece you're, you're focusing on there is is moving them from an origination to servicing, or is yeah, it I mean, once anytime, servicing? yeah, anytime you have, uh, I feel anytime you have um, data moving from one financial system to another financial system, right? There usually is some manual work. That needs to be done because the systems never perfectly talk to each other, and that and that puts a pause on things. That takes manual effort and time. And you know what can you do to build that bridge more effectively so the data comes in a much more clean way? So that's one. But yeah, so we, we're we're looking we're looking at you know where are the bottlenecks? Where where have we done? Manual stuff. I would say in general, when you look at deposit operations teams, loan servicing teams, loan administrations, a lot of them are really ripe for lots of automation. Okay, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, it, you know, it, it amazes me that you know the game that of moving from origination to servicing hasn't become more automated. I actually started in the loan servicing business way back when, coming out of school, and. Uh, well, without dating myself, that was many years ago, right? <laughs> it's just, it, you know, it, it is still two systems. It is still, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, for whatever reason, you know, one group of software providers seems to concentrate on origination, the other on servicing, and it isn't always, a, you know, it's not always a clean handoff there. So, 
just interesting comment. And I appreciate the thought on that. Okay. Uh, no, I think this is good. Um, and my last question was really where you see yourself in a few years. And I think you, I think you hit on it from a growth perspective. Anything I'm missing? Anything else that you know we sh- we should be talking about, or anything else that you could offer the the listeners? You know, as it relates to uh, things you're proud of, things you know, things that maybe have have gone well for you. Yeah. No, I think. Um, I mean, on on the future, I've never been more excited. I personally think a lot of runway for community banks. I think community banks should be very excited right now because if you think about it, what held us off in the past is changing. So if you, if you go back 10 years, you know, when the decision point for a customer was how close am I to your closest branch, it's very hard for a community bank to compete against Bank of America when they have a thousand branches. You just can't. But now that's not really the, the key decision-making factor. And that I mean, at least in my experience, that is a decision-making factor, but it's not necessarily the key one. There's all sorts of other things that are just important because people are opening accounts online. And so what that does is it levels the playing field from a capital standpoint. Um, you can compete without having you know a thousand branches. So now it becomes about service, about brand, about product mix, about marketing, and I just think there's a huge opportunity for community banks. So I'm, I'm really excited. We are starting to, you know, I think in the next phase of Leader Bank, one thing that's going to be very important for us, which is something we've never really spent a whole, that's going to be branding. We're of the size now in the reputation where if we really spend some effort on how we brand ourselves, what's our value proposition, how do we clearly and succinctly explain that to the customer, I think that's going to make a really big impact. No, that's great. Yeah, and I think one thing you said that really sticks out to me is, you know, that for a while there, everybody thought that originations, whether it be, you know, account origination or loan origination, would be an online proposition entirely. But to me, it sounds like you you guys have a decent mix. You know, it's still about the customer and it's still about the salesperson's relationships with realtors and, and you know, where wherever they go to keep their lead pipeline full. It probably isn't online, right? It, it, you know, this this probably isn't somebody goes in and can do an automated application for a loan from start to finish without some touch points. Yeah, there may be some volume there. Right. Any thoughts or comments on that? Yeah, no, I, I think I mean on the on the lending side, we get all of our business referrals. And as automated as it is, there's a human touch point. There's a there's a loan officer, there's a quarterback. So yeah, somebody still needs to move over along. Well, yeah, say, right? yeah. No matter what, it's, it's just too complicated a process for you to believe that somebody could start and finish alone by themselves without without assistance. Right. Yeah. And so we we have people along the way, and that's always been our philosophy: automate as much as you can, but have a layer of service that doesn't leave the customer hanging. I mean, that's to view that as a big part of community banking is that extra service layer. And on the on the banking side as well, I mean, especially in business bank, you know, you also have to choose your battles. Like consumer banking is, you know, there's a lot of options out there, and Bank of America does a really good job. Uh, we find in business banking, I mean, we are a superior choice in many cases to, you know, because we can dedicate a business banker, we can be very responsive, we can offer products at a faster speed than a bigger bank could. Yeah, I, I do think relationships still play a really important part. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, 
uh, you know, recently changed our business banking relationship, and uh, it was exactly for those reasons, right? I, I do think that a smaller bank, you know, and I've and I've got a uh, retail relationship with my bank for 25 years. They just don't do business banking very well. So, you know, oddly enough, right? Uh, you know, the, the, they, they lost a good chunk of the business because their process got in the way. And, right. You know, uh, you know, the few things I could probably point out in it, and, I, and I've seen and heard this from other businesses, so I don't think it's, it's atypical, but, you know, things like, do you, you know, how long does it take you to clear a check? Right. If I'm doing an ACH, you know, how many hoops do I have to go through right. to get it there when I've been your customer forever and you know, the money exists and you can see me walk into the branch and tell you, I, know, I want the thing done. Right. Um, right. So, you know, you know, so things like that, you know, not not paying on deposits on the business side, those types of things that are just, you know, some to some degree petty. And, and you can see how, you know, the large banks came up with a process. It's a risk reduction process. Right. But to smooth a few of those out, you put, uh, in my opinion, you put an awful lot more you know, dollars on the books, you know, firm up the relationship. You feel like you can walk in, talk to the same person. Pretty strong value to doing business with a small bank uh, in that, on that side, my opinion. I agree. Okay. Well, Jay, I appreciate you taking you know, some amount of time to get to us. This has been great. I, I think we I think we learned some things. And, uh, you know, if you don't mind, we'll... We'll try to get back to you in the future on this stuff, but I, I think this has been excellent. I think it really pointed us in the right direction here. Great. Thanks, Charlie. A lot of fun. All right. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Okay. A special thank you to Jay Cooley for joining us today. Uh, to me, the, the takeaway from those discussions like the ones we just had with Jay are if you're going to build a successful organization around uh, anybody on the sales side, you, you really need to sort of do it from the ground up and you need to build a support mechanism to really get them there and allow them to do their job, which is to con continue stay out, staying out there and selling. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Jay's experience would probably bear the same and, uh, you know, just found it a very fascinating episode. So that's it for today. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about interchange revenue. And, you know, for those of you not familiar, that is that fascinating piece of that fascinating check you get each month and just how it works, right? Why are you, why are you collecting a check when your customers run a debit transaction? So um, we've got Deneen Katie with us from Fiserv. And um, again, just a very interesting learning episode coming up next time. Okay, well, that's it for Bank Talk. Uh, until next time, keep on learning. <laughs>